Hello there, this is Jason Dees, and this is the Think Through It podcast. Think Through It exists to help people think through the big questions of life and culture. On the Think Through It podcast, we'll be talking with friends, cultural influencers, and forward thinkers about the things that all of us need to be thinking about. Today, I'm talking with one of the most talented and thoughtful guys I know, Bobby Smith. Bobby is the assistant pastor of worship and arts at Johnson Ferry Baptist Church, and he's just led the effort of writing, producing, and recording a new album, Always Only Jesus. Bobby is a husband, father, musician, creative, and all-around great guy, and it's a pleasure to have him thinking with us about something that we really should be thinking about every day. We'll be talking today about transcendence. This idea that deep down inside of us, we all know that there's something more than just the material in this world. This is a needed and helpful conversation. So thank you for joining us today as we think through it. So I'm talking today with one of my favorite guys, Bobby Smith. And literally, Bobby, I want you to know, like, I love hanging out with you. And we're doing this... uh, we're doing this episode of Think Through It in Bobby's amazing man cave. Welcome and to the Studio B. It's awesome. I love it. I love that there's a lot of Nintendo 64 and even Super Nintendo games. Correct. I love that there is a fireplace. Correct. And it's August. Fine mahogany, <laughs> leather-bound books. So we're talking today about something that hopefully you and I think about a lot but I'll be honest, Bobby, as a pastor, I don't know that I, I probably was like into my pastorates before I really started thinking about it. And I hate to even admit that. Hmm. Like, I think we live in this world that, and I think I grew up in this world that is so kind of aware yet unaware of the transcendent that it doesn't really know how to talk about it. It's seeking it, it wants it, but it doesn't know that it wants it. Mm. And I think we live in a church world that has almost kind of abandoned it in our worship. We, Especially maybe the worship culture that you and I kind of grew up in, I think it's coming back. Mm-hmm. But I think that we kind of grew up in a very, you know, for lack of a better word, like Tonight Show kind of materialistic, entertainment-ish worship culture that was good. And I'm not saying that we didn't experience some transcendence within that, but it was almost like if we did, it was on accident. It was like, oh, we just went there. Um, What's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we're talking about this this idea of transcendence, this idea that we deep down in our hearts reject the material world or that we know there's more than just the it's not a rejection of materialism it's a it's an understanding that there's more than materialism right so so t- talk to me about that what what are we talking about here what what, what is this longing that's in us hmm. that we can't just accept materialism the need for the divine the need for something more to go beyond right here right now god right? has put eternity in the heart of every yeah, I mean man. it's the old adage, right? You know, you hear you hear it in church life and in culture. God, well, He put a God-sized hole in your heart. Yeah, and and the fact that that still rings true to so many people, even though it sounds, you know, campy in that format. That's the truth, though. There is a longing 
for deeper things. There's a longing the, the for Jesus significance. Jesus shaped vacuum, but it's even more than that. It's like this. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you were just mentioning the the old classic Francis Schaeffer, the God who is there, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, we just can't escape that. We can't get away from that. Well, I mean, I think if you if you look at it, that is the fundamental foundational point of all philosophy. It's the why. It's yeah. the why why exist. Right. You know, I think therefore I am. And materialism just has no answer to that. Well, any philosophy is riddled with holes apart from this is a bold statement. Apart from the gospel, apart from revealed yeah. truth, it is it is grasping in the dark. It is Francis Schaeffer, you mentioned him, he gives a great analogy of going up to the basement and grabbing a book um but in but while in the dark and ripping out a few pages yeah and then coming back to read it and having no idea what is happening and yeah. that is the grasping of us for meaning apart from it's marco polo truth. i mean you you hear things <laughs> marco polo life you, yeah you hear things you you there's clues like you hear some splashing in the water over there you think there may be a fish out of water over here <laughs> But you, yeah. but you want to open your eyes, you know? I mean, every time I play Mark, like, you want to cheat, right? Like, yeah. and I think that's kind of this, like, thing that you're talking about. Like, you wish that somebody would just speak and start answering these questions that are in our hearts. Will you, will you, you're, you're such a genius pastor, Jason Dees, Mr. Mr. Smarty Pants over there. You can help, uh tell me if this analogy makes sense. Okay. I wrote this um, in response to reading a book by a really great author. Her name is Nancy Piercy. Fantastic so, author. Yeah. I mean, if anybody out there has not read her, go pick up any one of Total her works. Total Truth. Um, Finding Truth is the one that I got. Total Truth and, is another one, I think, yeah, too. Yeah, I think it's the uh, prequel to Finding there Truth. There it is. Okay. But really, it, actually, in, in chronology, it's the prequel in kind of order of understanding it's the, it's the sequel. So anyway. Maybe it's like, Tim Keller. It's just like, it's exactly like that. Right, yeah. Reason for God, making sense of God. Right, exactly Um, like that. All right, so tell me if you like this analogy. Okay. I, and maybe I can, I'll just read it because I wrote it in somewhat of a, of a cool way. By cool, I mean tangible and understandable. Yeah. It's like a person, this is when you're talking about understanding revelation and people who reject God. It's like a person vigorously trying to repair a sinking ship. So imagine a little boat mm-hmm. out, in, out in the lake or somewhere. They're trying every means necessary to save an, ine- an inevitable demise. All the while, a lifeboat is clearly in view and free for the taking. Rather than abandon ship, they pull all that they have together, everything they have resourced around them, and try to MacGyver a solution to an impossible situation. Some might protest, well, that's the easy way out. We must fix this ship. Yeah. To which I would reply, only if the ship were our home. But we were meant to live on the shore. So the ship is our own independence. The ship is our own kind of human... Finite existence. Self-existence, yeah. And... uh, when it when you find that it is not enough, it's all about me. It's in the it, ship, right? When you find that it's not enough, that it does not ex, it does not get you uh, ultimately to where you wish to go. It is riddled with holes. It's amazing. You try every philosophy to fit yeah. it in there and and bubble up. It just keeps exploding. Meanwhile, God has sent revealed truth, sent that absolute revelation in Christ, lifeboat, and they're going. 
That's the easy way out. Yeah. That's that's that crutch you lean on. No, we need to fix this Everyone, shit. We can figure it out with what we have. What's crazy is... Was that a good analogy? I loved it. Okay. And and so we can keep using that. <laughs> let's just keep using it. Oh, okay, let's go. So everyone... Here's the thing crazy thing about the ship. It, it, it gets holes in it or people get tired of the ship. They're so committed to the ship, mm-hmm. yet they lose interest in the ship. I, I, so on the way out here, I was listening to an, a podcast... Um, and it, irony, yeah, and it was uh, it was uh, actually an interview with Questlove, okay, oh, yeah, and he was just talking about you know these artists or whatever he knows a lot about you know art history, and he was talking about how the Beatles, like basically the 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 thing that led them to write Sergeant Pepper's was they got tired of being the Beatles. And so they like abandoned themselves, mm. and in so doing, like they then be it backfired. Like they became the greatest of all time, and then of course, like eventually, they just broke up to abandon being the Beatles. But they got tired of being the Beatles. I mean, like just that statement. Like they got tired of being the Beatles. Like they had reached success. Who, who says that? Yeah, they got they had reached success that no one ever, ever, ever has reached before, and will ever reach again. Mm. And it wasn't enough. Like, how is that possible? You know, it's like Tom Brady, you know, did an interview a couple years ago where he basically, I mean, he won all these Super Bowls. His wife is a supermodel. He is a, he's a local hero. I mean, you know, who doesn't want to be Tom Brady? Right. <laughs> and he says, you know, I believe that winning the Super Bowl, that where I am now is not the best I will do. Like saying, I know that there's more for me. And so it's crazy because we're so committed to the ship, but yet the ship is so unsatisfactory. Well, and what is what is a ship anyway? No one lives on a boat forever. Yeah, it's a journey. And even then, you know, you can't even gain, gain all you need from that boat. I mean, it's meant to go somewhere. It is, it's a longing for something else. I love... That that's the essential question is the why is it in there? You, uh, I have a story. When I was, I don't know, senior in high school, I was part of one of these kind of on-campus ministries for my high school. It was called First Priority. And I was in charge with bringing in the speaker. Yeah. Right? So my illustrious week, well, I just happened to be friends with a kid named Sterling Spencer who is currently a one sterling of the, name by the way Ster, he's just quite a paramount sterling name he is currently uh, one of the world champion surfers in the world okay he just happened to be in my hometown and his dad was also yancey spencer world champion surfer 1980 like yeah it, he's this dude the peak the peak and i'll never forget that being the statement of his ultimate goal be the world champion surfer be the world champion surfer and then he got it and literally the next day now what and I, i've heard that like you that, hear that, that story, in so many, yeah, theme and variations of that same exact same story. That, it's uh, not enough. There's that uh, a Vanity Fair. Uh, I mean, it's a really old interview, but the Madonna quote of like, "I'm in this constant battle of finding myself interesting." You know, mm. I, I find myself interesting, and then I realize I'm not that interesting, and so I'm always trying to make sure or convince myself, if you will that I'm actually an interesting person. And it's because we're made for the shore. We weren't made for the ship. Mm. So I guess your job and my job is to tell people that. I, I think I think even more than telling them that is is getting them to catch the vision of that. That it's like 
it's not even just an intellectual assent to it. It's a stirring of the affections toward it. So that's kind of what I, I want to talk about. That's kind of where I like open this thing. It's almost like our preaching and maybe even our worship leading. It's 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 lo- like what I'm trying to say. Like it's lost that mystery. It's become so. Uh, I mean, I'll speak to preaching because I I'm the preacher here, I guess. But it, you know. It can become so self-help, it can become so practical that it loses that, like, I am listening to the voice of God right now. Like, God is speaking through this man to me. And even as a preacher, like, I think it's even hard. Like, I, I think the older I get and the more I understand what God has called me to and the more I think I understand that my life is not my own, mm. the more I desire that and the more I pray that way, but, you know, and I, I still think I'm on that journey. That's taken me a little while, you know, to get the 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 gravity of this moment and the fact that these people, you know, I, I may be their only glimpse of the shore, you know. Mm-hmm. I may be, I'm the voice of the one crying from the shore, if you will, or, or I'm, the, I'm the messenger from the shore uh, that says, this is what you were made for. This is who you are. Um so anyway, I mean, it's such a weighty thing when you think about it that way. And what you do too. I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you have, God's given you a medium where it's it's almost like if I'm like telling people about the shore, you're almost like, you're like, hey, here's a coconut. Here's a sand. Here's Paying like the picture of the shore. Yeah. Here's what the shore is like, you know? Well, I mean, you know, the preached word, I mean, doesn't get any more clear than that. And that is, that is ultimately what i mean that's that's how the good news is communicated right that you know the, the the old saying that you know always preach the gospel when necessary use words you know that's that's junk right you can't preach the gospel without those words coming out and i feel like um you know the the act of musical worship um the singing of praises to god um it almost primes the pump to say. I yeah. mean, there, there is that moment, even in Acts, when unbelievers witnessed the worship of the apostles, that they were fallen down. I mean, they couldn't, they were in awe of this reality that basically believers, when they're really believing and they're really worshiping, they are living in that reality. They're living on the shore. And what you've done, and it's why music is so transcendent to begin with, like why it's a universal language and it, 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 and it adheres to people's hearts instantly. There's something innate of musical nature that speaks to our our emotions and i think yeah it can almost put you on the shore even though you're still on the boat and and that's why it's so essential um to have an incredible sense of theology behind that because I, you I could think, abuse I think that preaching moment. can do the same thing it, it puts you in the shore it puts you in the place where you are and i guess that's the christian's battle well, think about it. if you're telling someone about a vacation and you have literally gone to the nth degree to bring somebody with you on that voyage through your storytelling or maybe you have the slideshow of days of old or you've made a video and somebody almost can be there with you i mean or you've described a stake to the most incredible degree that someone's mouth might be watering so they've experienced in some lesser form what you're bringing up and trying to discuss but they haven't tasted Mm -hmm. they haven't seen they haven't experienced and so that's where that that threshold moment happens where they have to jump in. So I'm thinking about like a non-Christian listening to this right now. And and I almost can't believe that 
the thing is, is like, again, God's put eternity in the heart of every man. So if you're a non-Christian listening to this, I can't believe that you, there isn't that like deep longing. Now, you may not believe that Christianity is the answer to that, or you may not believe that Bobby and I are calling from the correct shore, if you will. But you have to know there's another shore. I mean, you you have to know mm. people people uh, can't get over the fact that there's more. We know that there's more, and I think that if you if you try to say there's not more, it's you just trying to be logically consistent with a faulty worldview that you wish is true, so that there doesn't have to be a god that you sit underneath. You know. So let me make this personal. Because I feel like I was the person that you're talking to, kind of. Uh, when I was a freshman in college, uh, I was at Samford University, which is in Birmingham, Alabama. Probably a lot of people listening might know of this this school, and it is a Christian institution, right? It's it's, and it's filled with people who proclaim that they're believers in Jesus. And I go there, and for the first time in my life, wrecked by doubt in God. And honestly, I think the first honest look at what my worldview was. Yeah. And I don't, I didn't, I couldn't, I, I, it's really taken until late 20s, early 30s to unpack what happened. I got depressed. I mean, there was points where I was um, borderline suicidal and really, I mean, and I, if, if, if anyone ever knew me, they know I'm the opposite of that. I'm a very outgoing, personal dude. I love life. I'm excited about it. But I was was gone. My roommate did not even know what to do with me. I, I remember sitting in a basketball game at Sanford and I go, why are we even here? Yeah. We're watching men put a ball through a hoop. Yeah. Is it even real? I was dealing with existentialism. Well, you started doing philosophy. I, yeah. I started living out, you know. Yeah. Which, which few people life. do. Most people get a little depressed the first time they start doing philosophy in general because you start having to piece together, like you said, your own worldview. The okay. thing, well, the thing that happened, I, I feel like I've unpacked now was it was the first time I considered a world that God could not exist in. And what happened was I became aimless. I became dejected. I'd lost a footing. I mean, it's like sinking sand. It's like Jesus says, you know, yeah. you try to do this, the you're going, built. it's going to fall. Yeah. And, I, and I have a quote from Packer, J.I. Packer in Knowing God, and he writes this. When you, when you experience something like this, he says, the world becomes a strange, mad, and painful place in life. In it is a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. Disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to a stumble and blunder through this life blindfolded, as it were, with no sense of direction, no understanding of what surrounds you. This way you can waste your life and lose your soul. Yeah. And I, I literally, as I read that, I've kept that quote. It, it, it describes to a T my experience that freshman year. And from the ashes of that, I mean... We're some real so what, groundwork what for built God. It back. Yeah, I mean, what what restored the vision for the shore? Well, I think what was happening was being shaken to the core of what is it that I really stand on? What is it? Do I really believe this thing that I've been raised in a tradition of, and even come to a, a belief in? Do I really believe it? And I'll never forget a mentor. We were sitting at Da Vinci's Pizza there in Birmingham, or no, yeah, Da Vinci's Pizza. Um, and he just looked at me and he goes, Bobby, if you didn't believe you wouldn't care. 
yeah. you wouldn't care like this. Yeah. So the fact that you're depressed, the fact that it was is eating me alive, of that there was there was clearly the it, it mattered to me. Yeah. It mattered to me uh, enough that I wanted to pursue and, and find its conclusion. I, I, it wasn't just eh. What, which how so many people live oblivious. They know that they're living with an inconsistent worldview, that they believe in the absolute need for human rights and there's in, in, in inalienable rights, right? Yeah. But they don't say endowed by the creator. They might say they just are, but they know that they can't justify those. They're borrowing from the Christian worldview. Yeah, it's 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 longing for transcendence while denying denying its existence. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. Well, and it's needing transcendence, right? Yeah. Again, yeah, like you said, like you can't... Yeah can't say anything is right or wrong. Empirical evidence can't prove the most important things. That's a good point. Yeah. Where are you going next? Well, I was just, I mean, honestly, all I'm thinking about is Romans chapter 1. Yeah, suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. Yeah, I mean, literally just, uh, they trade the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, yet they have knowledge of his existence. He's written it on their hearts. He's exampled it. I mean, it's the reason people look at the, the sunsets and weep their eyes out. There's something more. The desire for curiosity and pursuing the unknowns, the ends of all things. There's a reason. So let's go there. Why Take me there, don't Jason. we get on the lifeboat? Why do you think? Why are we so committed You're to the this pastor. Shit? You tell me. I mean, I, you know, I think, you know, in a, the big answer is, as you said, like we're committed to being, it's the lie that Satan told uh, Eve in the garden, you'll be like God. And we liked that. That's the knowledge of evil. We liked that. You know, we ate of the fruit of the knowledge of evil, and it's a good fruit. Like, good and evil. Yeah. We we want the evil. We, we, we like to think that we could be the center of the universe. Mm. And, uh, and so ultimately, how does that, man- that manifest itself in sin? And so... Sin then, um, you know, sin then leads us down all these paths. You know, I, whenever, you know, I remember at Valley, you know, we'd, we'd have college students that would start to say, they'd start to have those kind of moments of like, well, I'm doubting. And I'm not saying that those don't take place, you know, kind of at a more philosophical level. But usually when I hear like, I'm really having some doubts in my faith or I'm not really that into Christianity – it's because they started having sex with their girlfriend, you know. It, 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 it's so. I mean, like, uh, like, like, basically, like eighty percent of the time, it's like they've guilt-induced denial. Yeah, they've fallen into some sort of sin that they like. Yeah, and they want a worldview that's consistent with that sin, and the Christianity of their youth is not. And so they start to say, "Well, is this even true? You know, <laughs> is this even real?" And and then they have to do what you know you talked about, and so. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, the ultimate answer that we won't get on the lifeboat is, you know, the lifeboat comes with the, comes with accountability. You know, the lifeboat comes with a different captain, and we have to place our trust in him. But here's the thing about Christianity. it's And, and I don't think any of us actually believe this at first. I think all of us, and I think this is kind of freeing, I think we all come to Jesus, whether it's by fear or whether it's just by recognition of his power and that we need him or of our own weakness maybe but i don't think i don't think most of us come to jesus realizing how good he actually is mm. and that his plans for our lives 
are actually better than our plans for our lives. I think that's kind of the Christian life. I think most of us come to faith in Christ kind of like Israel crossed the Red Sea. It's like, well, I don't want to get killed by the Egyptians. Get out, get out of jail free card. Yeah, so I'll cross the Red Sea, you know? I mean, I, it, if you but, die tonight, you're going to heaven or hell, boy. That's right. But I don't think most of us see, oh my gosh, like God is leading us to a promised land. God is leading us to this place where we're actually going to be who we are. Um, I think that's the Christian life. I think we come to believe that uh, through time. You know, I, I meet with, you, you know this, I meet with a group of senior guys. Um, they're high schoolers, 18-year-old guys brilliant guys you know genuinely curious and and um just just discerning guys which is great um which is also hard because they don't come with legitimately good questions um but we're just talking about the sexual ethic of the bible yeah and even just the demands of the bible and 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 what god calls out of his believers and, you know, I think an analogy that has worked really good for me, for my understanding, and seemed to satiate their appetites on this, was um, just thinking about car manufacturers. They don't impose the oil change upon you because they want you to throw out 30 to 40 bucks every couple thousand miles. They don't do that because they hate you and they want you to be reminded to do those things. They do it because the car was intended they to run. They actually want the car to run longer. And they want it to run how it was intended. It right, requires yeah. these things. This is a stipulation for a car to run as intended. You don't have to obey that and then your car will crap out and die. You know, it won't last. And and you know God in the same way, you know, he is calling you to some, to a promised land, to something greater, to something to the truest version of yourself. That's the truest version of yourself. It, That's you know, what it's it for is. freedom that Christ has set us free. Right, it's yeah. not. It's not condemnation. He didn't come to the world to condemn. And what the world. does it mean to be free? It's when you do what you want to do, and when what you want to do is what you ought to do. Ooh, and that is the kind of freedom that God wants for us. But again, I this mean, this is why you're a preacher. For eighteen-year-old kids, <laughs> the sexual ethic is the hardest. I mean, to quote Lewis. He basically says, like, you know, mere Christianity, don't start here. You know, <laughs> he's like, if if you're having trouble with this, like, don't start with this one because it's going to seem wacky to you. And obviously, where, you know, what is threatening evangelical Christianity right now? It's our sexual ethic that that seems so crazy in the sexual revolution world. Um, but it's so good and it's so right. Mm. And I think you and I as like married men in happy marriages can see and understand that, but that's tough to see when you're 18 on that side of it, especially in this world that we reason why Romeo and Juliet was set as a bunch of 16, 17 year olds. That's right. Can't stop themselves. They didn't really kill each other and kill themselves. Bobby, I I feel like this conversation could go all night, but for the sake of the listeners, um, bring us. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's kind of start taking it home a little bit. So, um, how does the gospel, how does the Word of God speak to this longing for transcendence in our life? And for maybe somebody that's just hearing this for the first time, how does Jesus kind of tie all this together to get us to the shore? Mm. You're going to ask me that? You're, you're going to ask me? You're the guest on To Think surmise how all of Scripture brings us right back home? You're the guest on Think Through It. Mm. Let me let me read this. 
This is a scripture that I, I pulled when, when I was thinking on such things. This is Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. Somewhat of a looking forward to the gospel. Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. And let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. I mean, God's desire is super clear for us to know him. And, you know, that's the word given to his prophets. But ultimately, the most personal way God has spoken is through the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was God and word was, was God. It's Jesus. And I feel like what a hope for all those who believe to know that the ultimate word of of longing is fulfilled in Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that innate feeling in us, that desire for more, it's satisfied in Christ and in Christ alone. And when all those things you just read, we all long for justice. Mm-hmm. We all long for righteousness or a Loving sense. kindness. We, we all long that. for love. We all long for acceptance. Uh, we all long to, you know, even just for like to be ourselves, to... to to be ourselves and to actually be satisfied. Mm. And it seems that it would be true if that is true, and it is true, we experience those things. It seems that if that is true, if there is a God who created all of this, if there is a God of the universe, that, that he would ultimately hold the answers to those things. Yeah. And he's made himself known. There is a God who is there. That's it. Thanks, Francis Schaeffer. And he has forfeited his privacy, to mm-hmm. quote Carl Henry, we're not the guy that's ripping out a page in a dark basement. We are a one who can literally see those pages in the light of day as God has spoken and revealed himself. And beyond just like a book, God's given us revelation in his church, in his people. And he's giving us revelation every week, every day through people like you, uh, through the relationships that we have in the church and in the Lord. And uh, even through something as small as a podcast. That's right. Well, Bobby Smith. Way to, way to tie bow on it, buddy. Bobby Smith, man. Literally, and I don't say this lightly, one of my favorite guys to talk to. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much kind, kind for words. having me into your home and for being on the Think Through It podcast. It's an honor for me. Thank you, Jason. For Bobby Smith, I'm Jason Dees, encouraging you to think through it. Mm-hmm.